Welcome to the Beyond the Perimeter podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything security. Each week, we discuss the latest and biggest breaches to hit the news and talk to different security experts to learn about their experiences in the security industry. I'm your host, Zeb Brodsky. In this episode, I'll discuss the EasyJet breach and my interview with security researcher, Ryan Nolet. We'll end the episode with our security tip of the month. The most popular data breach of May 2020 was the EasyJet data breach. On May 19th, British low-cost airline group EasyJet announced that they had suffered a data breach. They declared that a cyber attack affected over 9 million of its customers. Details from the breach included full names, email addresses, and travel data such as departure dates, arrival dates, and booking dates. The breach itself occurred in January, but EasyJet waited four months to notify its customers. EasyJet did not immediately give details on how the breach occurred, but all things are pointing to a phishing attack as the culprit. My advice for all EasyJet customers is to change their passwords and check for any unusual activity in their banking accounts or suspicious phone calls and emails asking them for personal information. In early May, I interviewed independent security researcher Ryan Nolet, who explained his experience with information security at a young age and how it formed his career today. Ryan has held roles in the InfoSec field and consulted on threat research, incident response, and every level of security operations. He's an active speaker and writer on threat hunting, cloud security, and endpoint security. But when did you when did you start to have an interest in, in InfoSec and what sparked it? Yeah, the InfoSec is has always kind of been an interest to me. I, I noticed that uh, really coming out of high school um, and even being is that I was pretty obsessed with puzzles and and things like that at the time. Um, you know the the movies that I was starting to watch. There, the Hackers trilogy that came out, um, and I got in shown the movie Sneakers, and uh, right around then the um, the Art of Deception by Kevin Mitnick came out, and uh, a uh, a colleague of my my dad at the time uh, told me to go check out that book, and uh, it was very interesting actually reading about. Um, you know, the experience of stuff that he went through and then how that related to the movies I had been. And from there, just kind of really the interest grew and grew as I started researching the topic more and more. Um, you know, and it's kind of been an interesting progression, right? We started off with people doing pranks to each other in, in class and whatnot, you know, pop out the CD-ROM of your neighbor's computer, um, things along those lines. And they've kind of escalated to well, you take those concepts and now we expand them out into these uh, overarching, uh, more in-depth topics that are enterprise level. Uh, and now instead of um, your adversary being your, your classmate, now your adversary is uh, um, whoever the attacker is in the world. And it's just a, a change in scope and severity, right? Yeah. And uh, Was there any, like, do you remember, like you said, you kind of just, messed around with like maybe classmates just like you know taking like a cd out of their drive but do you remember any early maybe kind of hacking do you remember like messing around with classmates or was it really just for fun um uh, there's a lot of um uh, both actually so we we had a a pretty interesting um uh, it or a general worker for our school system uh, that I went to, and uh, and then open to having a conversation about technology uh, in general, and uh, we learned an awful lot about how the school network and town network worked uh, through that. Uh, the real kind of intro to that was 
um, uh, was some of those pranks. So the one that really gets me is uh, I remember I was in English class um, and I was just you know trying to listen to the instructions. We were going to type up something on the computer, and uh, all of a sudden behind me, my my CD-ROM started popping in and out. And uh, I got in trouble for disrupting the class because it kept making a really loud noise. At the time, CD-ROM did like uh, like a Velociraptor in your rap bathroom running around. So uh, I got in trouble for that. And then uh, some of the guys at the end of the row were, were laughing and they got in trouble too. And eventually uh, I found out it was them uh, that was doing it. Uh, we were in uh, Windows XP at the time and uh, there was, Man, that you could run to networked computers uh, that allowed you to remotely um, run the CD-ROM commands, and it was the the first kind of idea that really opened my eyes to, you know, this is how the, all the systems are their own little islands and, and castles, but they all are connected through, you know, question. And that just kind of snowballed into well, what else can I do? What else can I do? Um, and that kind of continued college where I ended up working refurbishing telecom hardware. Yeah. And one of those things that we had to do was figure out how to reset the hardware to factory settings uh, because we wanted to, to resell the hardware. So we would, we were a VAR, so we would buy. Um, hardware companies that had gone out of business or uh, surplus or, or things along those lines. So um, we were in used equipment. And uh, what I ended up doing is I used a similar kind of methodology where um, I went online and was trying to figure out how do I reset this thing? How do I do across the help forum on people that were having an issue uh, that if they ran a certain version of the firmware, um, they could basically rule the rules access control that was assigned to the system. Um, now, I'm not going to name any vendors for this one, but it was very popular in the thousands. And uh, uh, through that kind of idea, I've figured out that, well, yes, this is a, a bad thing that's happened, but I totally use that for what I need to reset these routers. So. I got a copy of the firmware, I loaded it up on the instance, and then I'm able to uh, to customize it with the admin credentials that I want, break the authentication, and get privilege to reset the device to factory settings. So it wasn't really discovering a vulnerability, it was more of getting the idea from the help forum and a few other like online resources of research, uh, figuring out how to leverage it, and connecting the dots on the process. Uh, and that that really, got me kind of going into more of an offensive and purple team mindset from um the, the current more blue team uh oh. angle looking at things yeah were you uh question is like i know a lot of these older like hacking forms before this is like kind of the the beginnings of like you know how people learned how to hack things and kind of tips were you very active in those forums or were you very more of like kind of gathering information and doing it on your own uh, it was it was more of a silo for me. Uh, I didn't know those forums existed at the time. Um, how I learned things was from uh, some of my schoolmates who were interested in like Square and, uh, and 
fun computers uh, and operating systems like that. And I know I'm dating myself now, uh, but they would play around with Slackware while I played Super Mario Brothers. So you can kind of guess the time frame of that. <laughs> so yeah. it was uh, it was it was definitely a, an interesting experience. Um, and and unfortunately, at that time, it was very hard to get the information um, uh, to gather if you didn't know where to go look. Um, now it's significantly easier to kind of start it in the industry, and uh, I'm I'm a really really big fan of that, and it kind of leads into um, you know if you want to get started in the industry, uh, just go to a conference. Um, there's free and cheap ones all over the world. Um, you know I'm I'm on the east coast of the United States, and uh, there's uh, you know a B-sides conference in pretty much every state. Um, and that's a wonderful, uh, affordable conference to go to. And they have a, a very vast uh, group of attendees, whether they're the presenters, or the attendees on their own. And they really foster a collaborative environment. So you can go in and ask questions. You can attend one day of a conference and learn about 10 or 20 different uh, vectors of security. And that kind of lets you figure out what you're actually interested in. Uh, security is a pretty topic, you know, do you want to be a red team or a blue teamer? Do you want to be in the middle? Do you want to focus on network security or endpoint security, uh, application code review, uh, compliance and things like that? Uh, those are all different verticals in the industry. And how do you really know what you're interested in or good at until you start kind of poking around? Um, yeah. I always suggest people check out DerbyCon. Um, unfortunately, this past year was the last year that they were doing it, but by far and away my favorite conference ever and really, really fostered uh, that collaborative environment. And um, you can see a lot of the, uh, the more seasoned and experienced uh, security folk taking uh, more junior folk under their wing and helping them in like the CTS or uh, understanding different topics over there. And it was just a, a really kind of uplifting experience. And I suggest anybody that's interested in getting started, start checking out local conferences. Do, yeah. Do you like, would you like suggest, like say it's like conferences like DEF CON on that, those level or really more these smaller local conferences where you really have the opportunity to actually talk and, and communicate with actually, like you saying, more experts? Uh, a few years ago, I, I would have, I would have suggested going to uh, you know DefCon or Black Hat, but they're they're so large and expensive now that um, I, I would suggest going to them once you're more certain of what you want to learn. And the reason being is um, you know it's really a return on investment. As a a junior um, you know analyst that's getting started in the field, if you don't have a training budget or you know you're basically paying your own way. Um, heading out to Vegas for you know three days or ten days, however long you want to go to the conferences, uh, is quite the expensive venture. And if you're not sponsored, uh, that could be a barrier to entry to a lot of people. Uh, but luckily, um, there's a you know uh, with DefCon and Black Hat being the the most uh, well known ones, there's also a B sides Las Vegas that goes on right beforehand. And a lot of the presenters actually speak at Besides Vegas, DEF CON, and Black Hat. Uh, 
So, you know, if you really want to go to, to Vegas for the conference, you could check out the B-sides and save yourself a bunch of money and get a lot of the same content. Uh, but the same kind of idea, you know, B-sides is a, is a much cheaper way to do it. And most likely there's a local chapter near you and you can check that out. Uh, I'm a member of uh, the HTCIA, the uh, High Technology Crime Investigation Association, uh, which is uh, an organization that puts private sector and um, law enforcement, state, military kind of in the, the same room to talk about uh, a lot of things around the security landscape, whether it's, you know, computer forensics, uh, you know, electronic sniffing dogs, like all crazy stuff. Um, and they're a huge organization as well uh, that it loves bringing on new members to, uh, to chat and to help educate and then to eventually, hopefully, Start presenting themselves at the conferences and meetups, and uh, really get that information out there. Yeah, um, I wanted to ask you: Is with the everyone pretty much working from home? Is there would, is there any virtual events, or how would you say now that a lot of the conferences aren't happening because of social distancing? How what kind of recommendation would you set, tell people to to do potentially from you know from their home to learn more? Yeah. Uh, one of the best things that came about from this is um, uh, I'm, I'm a big Reddit fan. Uh, so uh, there's a couple of different security subreddits and they have curated lists of virtual conferences, free online training and uh, discounted tools and training. Um, and they've kept them pretty up to date and it's just, you know, spreadsheets of uh, these different uh, resources that are available to you. So um, definitely check that out as a starting point and getting a bunch of things online. Um, I know there's a few new conferences even launched because of the work from home and the virtual conference idea. Um, I think there's one called Chaos Con that just came out where they're basically going to put all the attendees on a Zoom call without any of the security restrictions on it and just kind of see what happens. Um, so should be some fun stuff like that. Oh, wow. So you're saying there's a lot more right now opportunities because everyone's, you know, everyone's stuck at home and it's just kind of a lot more content and, you know, people are actually, you know, sharing more information because, you know, that we're not, because everyone's limited at home. Um, so as you, like, as you told me before, you, you're an independent security researcher. How did you start, how did you get started out there and, like, from what kind of struggles do you experience as a researcher when you started out? Yeah, um, so a lot of the the problem is the conception of, of people that do any kind of red teaming. Um, I know for, for a fact it was very frowned upon, um, uh, even up to a couple of years ago, to do any kind of red teaming as it was seen as very black hat and uh, very civilized, so to speak. You know, now, now people are getting more familiar with uh, purple teaming, which is kind of that mix of red and blue that you're doing, uh, that offense uh, in order to teach defense. And um, as I got started, um, I got in trouble a bunch for, you know, doing different things to uh, computer systems that, you know, uh, school and whatnot, and then, you know, having to teach people how to fix them and, and things. And uh, I lucked out pretty, pretty early in my career where I found a warehouse job 
uh, for a technology company, and uh, I was started loading and unloading these uh, big refrigerator things at a company called Crossbeam Systems. And uh, what they were is they were called X80s, and they were telecom equipment. And uh, after loading them for a while into boxes and manual work, um, uh, somebody was out sick, so I got a chance to start doing some some soldering repairs of the boards, reprogramming them. Um, people kind of noticed that a knack for it. So um, I, I ended up meeting with some of the SQA lab guys and uh, started doing some side work with them where I would do different kinds of performance testing on them uh, as well as, uh, uh, we'll call it usability testing. Uh, but basically like we, we would put the thing in, you know, in sprinklers and an oven and a freezer, whatever we wanted to try and test how good the hardware was. And uh, we had to figure out basically the best ways to break things. And during the process of some of that testing, I found that there was a, a network restriction uh, that really was not allowing us to run our tests at, uh, at full peak performance. Uh, so I figured out a way to get around it and uh, and kind of expand things for us and implemented that to make our experience easier. Uh, at the time, I didn't really understand, uh, you know, what the, the the impact of that could be or uh, really what I was doing in general besides just trying things work better. So uh, obviously the security team came and knocking and uh, gave me a stern talking to about doing what I did and how I did it and how we can patch it and, and those kinds of conversations. Uh, but it also garnered me an invite to go sit with the security team and start doing some work with them and see how we could find some of those issues. And it's that right there is kind of, uh, I might end up uh, actually going to school and making it a more formal education in, uh, in security. And uh, I lucked out really well as one of the assigned to me you know, being one of the, and, you know, morning and day, I had to review all the IPS and IDS alerts and, uh, you know, really learned up there and uh, it, it really kind of helped that education go. So it was really just the kind of stumbling and opportunity and, and being there at the right time and, you know, having that and having that uh, chance to actually to join that, that, position and field what just to get an idea what year what year did that happen um around uh 2005 i, I would say 2005 2006 uh was was really when i was getting uh, more and more into it and at that time um it was really hard to find you know like the learning resources so kind of falling into it and lucking into it was uh you know ex extremely wonderful for me um in general but it was also what a lot of people had do to as an industry really wasn't as uh, largely grown as it is now and it's not as formalized or defined so at that time most security was done by the IT staff as well there was no real dedicated people you might have a CISO um, might have physical security but there wasn't a whole lot of security at the time so luckily it's a lot more well-known a lot of security teams or they have managed security services um, you know they use different SaaS products now to avoid a lot of this um, security overhead that people are having to do and uh, um, it's a lot easier to get your foot in the door and actually start learning when you're 
starting to get interested on the topic, uh, which is absolutely wonderful. Just to end it also, uh, where can people find you, your work or uh, Twitter or GitHub? Where can people see any of your, your insights online? Yeah, um, so I, I've got a, a GitHub page where I put up a lot of my personal projects. Uh, just on GitHub, uh, son of a glitch with a one instead of an I. Um, yes, that is an awesome username to get announced at conferences because everybody always butchers it. Uh, but um, up there, I have a lot of content for, for learning. So there's stuff up there for threat hunting. There's things about um, learning like AWS and cloud security with detonation labs and things. Uh, as well as try to put up uh, copies of all my blogs and presentations and links to the YouTube videos uh, for further learning and education. Um, I, I'm under Twitter on the same name, uh, but feel free to reach out with any of the projects, feature requests, questions. Uh, I'm always kind of on the lookout for you know the next fun stuff to do in the security technology world. Thanks, Ryan, for such great insights into your career journey and providing a quick glimpse how young security researchers can join and be active in information security. Now for our security tip of the month. Stay alert for personalized scams. Hackers now have a wealth of information on almost all of us. With so many hacks nowadays, cybercriminals simply purchase database with personal information on millions of people, then use that information to customize their attacks, making them far more accurate. Just because an urgent email has your home address, phone number, or birth date, it does not mean it's legit. That's this week's episode of the Beyond the Perimeter podcast. Don't forget to join us next month for another episode. Thank you for listening.